0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life-balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayers. Hi, welcome back to Ayers on the Road.
1: We're happy to be with you today. We're right in the middle of a little mini-series on the eight myths of marriage. We're kind of excited about this. I mean, it's, it's a strange way to talk about marriage. We're not telling you what to do. We're telling you what not to do.
0: <laughs> it really is interesting that it took us 50 years to figure out that there are some myths that we thought were truths all of our married lives. And it turns out that we'd just been handling it wrong.
1: And if we can expose some of these myths and suggest an alternative truth, that replaces the myth, we think it can help your marriage. We think it can help any marriage. We think it can help our marriage. In fact, it has helped our marriage
0: a lot. And in fact, um, I think that the the problem is we don't talk enough about marriage. You know, we have a friend (laughs) who uh, said to us, wait a minute, myths aren't all bad. Um, Myths, mythical is magical. And so we have to, uh, sometimes uh, living through these myths has not really been magical. Well, yeah, we've been... got to
1: clarify. These are the these are not the good myths. These are the bad myths. These are the untruths. These are the the deceivers that when we believe them and we're we're in that false paradigm, they can damage our marriage. And so we're going to be on myth number 4 today out of 8. And if you missed any of the first 3 myths, no problemo, right Linda?
0: Right. All
1: you got to do is go to byuradio.org and click on our show and listen to those. Or if, as so many of you are doing, we're getting the numbers the other day from the station manager and, and a lot of people are now listening to Irs on the Road on a podcast app, then you can just listen whenever you want. So if you happen to miss marriage myth number one, two or three, (laughs) <laughs> Go do some catch-up work.
0: Yep, that's your assignment this week. No, just kidding. Um, I, I love this myth because... You love this myth? Yes. Oh,
1: it's your, it's your, it's your favorite it's myth. It's my favorite myth. Because it's so bad. It is
0: so bad. <laughs> that's well, true.
1: No more suspense. Let me let me read you this myth number four. We call it marriaging myth number four because we want to make marriage into a verb marriaging, something you work at, something you get better at, something just like, you develop.
0: Just like your parenting, oh. you know, you're always working at parenting. We need to be working at marriaging as
1: well. So this is marriage, marriaging myth number four, the perfection myth, and some other sub-myths about happiness and expectations. So here's the myth. I can find or create a perfect match for myself, and then... I will be happy
0: oh man I was stuck in that myth and I think a lot of people are they're looking for perfection somebody that's just perfect for them at least on the outside boy you just never know till you're living with somebody what they're really like but um, (laughs) I do have to say that I think a lot of people are looking for a perfect partner they're a soulmate they're meant to be with for Ever
1: or in the wonder of their courtship or their dating or their getting acquainted, they they have these rose-colored glasses that we all do sometimes, and they think they've found perfection. Or alternatively, Linda, they they think, well, this guy's not quite perfect yet, but oh, I'll, I'll make him perfect.
0: Uh, I was there. <laughs> I was there. Um, when I married this man sitting next to me, I thought, well, ah, there's some things that I'm really worried about. There just, he needs to be this way and this you, way. You didn't really have
1: those rose and colored glasses, way. did you? you? I didn't even you, have the rose colored glasses. You didn't think you'd found perfection. No, I
0: did not. I found, I found excitement. I thought I'd found
1: perfection.
0: No, I would found a lot of things that filled my list. You know, number one on my list when I was thinking about who I wanted to marry was a sense of humor. Of course, I, I was
1: pretty funny, then, and you wasn't were that. pretty
0: funny, and yeah, actually you actually are still still pretty funny. But it really um, is so naive to think that that's the number one thing on your list. But that does help a lot. You know, humor helps marriage a lot.
1: But I didn't even—I don't think I've ever seen your list of what you were looking for in a husband. I, I think it disappeared. A you long must have burned. I think you burned it. <laughs> <I> burned
0: it. <laughs> but but it really is true that you do have these expectations of people that you. For the person that you want to live with, forever, uh, tentatively, you know, you you think this is really what I need or what I want, and. Um you know, you were filling the bill on a lot of things, but there were some things that just weren't perfect. <laughs> but
1: you thought you could fix them. So I again, thought, you know, let, I let can me, fix that. Let yeah. me read the myth again because this is really such a common myth. People think this, whether they say it or not. I can find or create a perfect match for myself, and then I will be happy, right. as as though it's just this sort of wonderful thing, and and here's the truth that we think should replace that myth truth some married couples are better matched than others and there are even those who believe they have truly found their soulmate but most marriages are about accommodation and adjustment and they're more about changing our own minds than about fixing our spouse
0: absolutely and you know as i've progressed as we've progressed together in this marriage i've realized that my biggest challenge is to change my mind i mean really there are some things obviously you've we've both changed you've given me a lot of things that i didn't have i'm sure i was not perfect when when we got married either you no
1: know what i really thought you were at least like <laughs> the first 48 hours
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then um, but we we argued a lot. We disagreed a lot. You know, all through from day one, all through our, our engagement period. But uh, we knew that each other was not perfect. But uh, it really was interesting to realize that if I wanted things to change, I was the one that had to change first.
1: Well, see, that's the heart of the myth. I mean. Most people are realistic enough to know there is no perfect person. There's no perfect mate for them. They may feel so deeply in love that they see their potential partner as a soulmate. But most, most of us are realistic enough, even young, when we're getting married to know that, you know, this isn't perfect, but the heart of this myth is the idea that we believe we, I believe I can change you into the person I need and that that's just such a such a false paradigm because number 1 i'm on unha- i'm unhappy all the time thinking of what i wish you were that you're not or what i wish you'd do for me that you're not and so on and it completely misfocuses us on the imperfections of the other person and wishing those things would change and being dissatisfied and being disgruntled and so on and it takes the focus away from where the focus should be which of course is on how can I make this person more happy? How can I change to make this person more fulfilled? Then you're working on something you can really control and it always over time. And sometimes very quickly is reciprocated because when your partner feels your devotion to her and your interest in her happiness, rather than your interest in trying to change her, suddenly that gets reciprocated. You're working on her happiness, she's working on yours, you're working to become the best person you can be for her, she's working on becoming the best person she can be for you, and then things start to really progress.
0: Which sounds a little bit like a fairy tale, honey, because there's so many bumps in the road on the way through that. I mean, oh my goodness, we try so hard to, to change and to not care about, oh, I wish he was this way or that way. Sometimes um, we we do ourselves a disservice by totally realizing that you just don't want him to change. You really do want things to move, maybe not change, but move and understand each other. And you know, that takes a lot of communication.
1: So just to flesh this in, so you, you'll really be on the same page with us as we, discuss this myth and its corresponding truth, let us give you four little sub-myths that sort of flesh it in, that sort of help us understand the full sort of ramification and the full universe of this myth.
0: Well, the first one we've already talked about, I can fix my spouse. Yeah, but
1: let's read the truth that go yeah, that's the sub-myth, that's I the can sub-myth. fix my, my spouse.
0: But the truth is you can't, and you might not like the result if you did better to work harder at changing yourself than at changing your partner.
1: Now think about that for a minute on that truth. You, you really can't fix your spouse. And, and the interesting part of this statement is you might not like the result if you did. That, that's the interesting thing. I mean, let me be personal about it. I, I realized years ago that Linda, this wife of mine, this beautiful partner of mine, is a very complex and nuanced, personality and character and individual and, and how, how and I love her and how stupid I would be to say, well, I love 95% of you, Linda, but I really want to change these other 5%. Here's the problem with that. Everything's interconnected in another person. And if I picked out this one thing that I want to change about Linda, let's, let's just give an example, something simple like, I just think Linda needs to not uh, send those long texts. I want her to get more brief and more <laughs> concise and to the point. Some silly little thing like that. This
0: is real. He's always good. But but going if crazy I, but crazy it, it, I these it, long texts.
1: But if I if I could wave a magic wand and change that who's to say it wouldn't change some other things about Linda that I really love, like her ability to really feel things and really express them fully. What if that began to impact other things? In other words, you, you're not smart enough, whoever you are, to isolate one thing and change it because that's connected to everything else in that person. And you're better off if you say, I'm not wanting to change anything about you. I'm wanting to change, myself to love you more right i mean that sounds obvious but it isn't obvious in the day to day well
0: so do you feel like you're getting better when we're in the car and there's this long silence because i'm texting somebody <laughs> I'm, that I'm, you I'm, can I'm, answer in I'm, five words and i'm, I'm I am grinding
1: my teeth a little but but i but then i remind myself don't don't tamper with this delicate machine you might throw it out of tune Let's give you a couple more sub myths just to make, to flesh this in more.
0: Um, sub myth. Your job is to love yourself and you're responsible for your own happiness, not anyone else's.
1: Now think about that. Most people really believe that. Hey, my job is to love myself and I'm responsible for my own happiness and I'm not responsible for anyone else's happiness. That's this, that's this independent sort of mystique that is generally a myth in itself, here's the truth that we should replace it with.
0: It is important to accept and love yourself, but caring more about another person whom you love more than yourself is the surest way to receive joy as well as give it.
1: See, that's the, that's the paradigm shift that ought to go with marriage where we say, you know, yeah, of course I want to be happy, but here's the secret. I actually have more control over my spouse's happiness than I do my own. I mean, think about that. I can get up in the morning and say, I'm going to make myself happy today, and I can fail. But if I get up in the morning and say, I'm going to make Linda happy today, I'm going to succeed.
0: Well, we have more, but we hope you'll hang with us while you hear this little message, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayer's On The Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We're talking about marriage myth number four today.
1: Marriage myth number four. The perfection perfection myth. myth. I can find a perfect match for myself or create one, and then I will be happy. That's a myth. Here's here's another sub-myth that goes with it, and boy, we hear this a lot. If you settle or have settled for someone who seems less than perfect, you will never be really happy.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. There's a lot to that. This is the truth though. Marriage is not a game of perfect. It's about adjusting and improving and getting happier by supporting each other.
1: Now think about that. If if your marriage vows were till death do we part, you've got a lot of time left. And if your marriage vows were for time and all eternity, you've got an endless time left. So one of the things that factors into this myth is let's not be impatient. Let's not say, Oh my goodness, we've been married 10 years and we still got some rocky patches and you're still not everything I need. And I just wish I'd, you know, maybe I should go try again or whatever. I mean, these, these thoughts that people have that are they're they're actually impatient thoughts and they work against a marriage. The patient process is, Hey, you know, we've been married 10 years and uh, maybe we've got, maybe we've got through a 10th of our problems. That's good. That means in another 90 years we'll be through (laughs) all of them or whatever. Just take the approach that this is not a game of perfect. We're working on it. And then remind yourself, it's me I've got to work on. If I can become a better spouse to her, that's my goal.
0: And you know, I, I think that that's absolutely true. We're, we're gonna be talking about fixing people in a minute, but I, I do think that if we're constantly thinking, oh, I need to fix this because this is really driving me crazy, I need to fix this, and instead just go with it and say, some of this stuff is not going to be fixed. I'm going to have to absorb that and realize that I'm going to go forward with what I have because there's so many good things about this person. I need to concentrate more on that than the things that I don't like or that I need to fix.
1: That's the magic, isn't it? The minute, the minute you start focusing, or maybe even listing in your notebook or in your brain somewhere, all the things that made me fall in love with this person and how so many of them are getting better and better as time goes by and how grateful I am for them. That, that makes the little things that you're not happy with go away. And then you remind yourself, Hey, that's not what it's about anyway. I'm not here to fix her. I'm here to fix me and to be a better spouse. So you get the point and let's, here's the last sub myth. And it's really an important one, which Factors into this whole changing of our of our paradigms of our minds
0: Your marriage is going to turn out to be pretty much like your parents marriage Wow, I was just talking to a friend so many people just believe
1: that that. they believe they're inevitably going to turn into their And and well, there's good reason for it because a lot of times people's marriage do mirror their parents marriage
0: Yeah, they do but I was talking to a friend actually last night about she's she's really troubled about their marriage. And she said that, uh, you know, this is, this her husband is turning out just like their his father yeah. and their mother. They just never communicated. They didn't talk and it wasn't an issue. They just never really connected with each other. They just lived life together. And she said, I feel like our marriage they is sort kind of, of like that. Other, they, they just, yeah. yeah, they just tolerated each other. And you know, that's no good. You can't do that either. I mean, although people do do that, and it's sad because they can't. It's so hard to change a thing that you have fixed in your mind. and,
1: And we just meet so many people who sort of almost feel doomed by that. They're like, you know, every year that goes by, my marriage gets more and more like my parents' marriage, and I guess we're just headed down that same road, and it didn't end happily. And it's almost like they feel like they're predestined or their genetics is somehow going to force them to have the same kind of marriage with the same problems that they saw in their parents' marriage. Now, that's just a myth. Oh, wow. Because here's the truth that goes with it. And this, believe me, this is true. We've seen this and it's wonderful when you see it. Many who have bad memories of their parents' marriage are motivated by those memories, to fashion a very different kind of marriage for themselves, in other words, you can learn from bad examples as well as good examples and and maybe you're blessed to have parents that had a wonderful marriage but if you if you have memories of a lot of tension, a lot of fighting, a lot of problems, or if your parents divorced, or if you know their marriage didn't turn out right, that can be powerful for you what you can do is analyze what their deficiencies were in their marriage and absolutely commit yourself to not repeat it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, sadly, people just go to the end Tolerating that, and then it just ends. One of them dies, or yeah. and sometimes it ends in divorce after many, many years of just not communicating about that. So,
1: well, and here's the other problem with it, Linda, is that you know, and we could we could list hundreds of times when people have sort of told us this story. There, people who are dissatisfied in their own marriage because they think their parents' marriage was so much better than it really was, right? So, people will say, well my parents never fought their marriage was really, was really, you know, agreeable all the time. And they, they just always seemed to feel the same things and come to the same conclusions. And we're like, <laughs> well, they did a good job hiding it from you. And that, that in itself may have been a problem, right? Yeah. I think the the healthiest um, marriages we see are people where they They saw their parents' problems, and they saw their disagreements, but hopefully they also saw their parents resolving those. That's the healthiest model. The healthiest model is not where the parents hid every disagreement they had from, because that now gives their children, who are now married, this totally unrealistic expectation of what a marriage could be.
0: Well, we have to admit, though, that, honey, our marriage is different than everybody else's marriage. Yeah, everyone has a And there are some, uh, as we're watching, as we watched our children find their spouses who were all very different from the way we we were, they came from different backgrounds and so on. And now, as we watch our grandchildren, we have one that's married and one that's dating uh, somebody pretty seriously. And, you know, That first marriage of the grandchild was just lots of fireworks, just lots of stuff going on all the time. And the other just, they're so mellow. They both are just so, they just, they just are, it seems like they're just made for each other. And I'm sure there are going to be some disagreements if that works. I don't know if it will or not, but some are just more, just more, I
1: don't know. So you're really making we're a great yeah, together. you're making a great addition to this to this counter truth that we're talking about Linda in the sense that you you shouldn't per, you shouldn't expect perfection and you should also be tolerant enough to be impatient enough like we said earlier to let things take their time and kind of work out and you know the thing that sort of helps a lot along those lines we were we were talking to a couple the other day who were just on their last ropes just about to give up just about to throw in the towel and it was like i don't know i just can't do this anymore we're just it's it's bad for the kids they see this tension and so on and the thing that i that occurred to me as we were listening to them is they didn't realize the value of the thing they were about to throw away you know they they didn't realize that over the 20 years that they'd been married they'd had some tough times but they'd also learned some things and they'd made progress in some ways and they were ready to throw it out the window and and it's like it's like if you had an investment if you'd been investing in something for 20 years i mean that this may be a strange comparison but let's say you owned this stock and you'd been putting money into it and investing in it every year for 20 years. And now suddenly the market has a downturn and that stock starts to lose value. And you're like, wow, I got to get out of this. I got to sell this stock. I got to take my money and run. I got to go find another stock and take whatever money I've got left in this failing stock and reinvest it in another one. And maybe I'll do better and you just want to be awfully careful before you do that because this stock you have is your marriage and you'll never get those 20 years back and if you can find a way to turn the corner and maybe it's not making maybe it's not suddenly perfect but if you can just change the direction a little so instead of declining you're progressing just a little in baby steps getting rid of some of these myths getting a new perspective, working harder on yourself than on your spouse and just change the direction a little. That's, that's like the market. It's had a dip, but now that stock is going to start going up again. That's kind of a strange analogy, but well,
0: no, it really is. That is kind of how it feels for a lot of people. And I mean, we've gone through hard times, you know, and if we weren't totally committed, we may have gone our own direction because we're yeah. both so strong willed. But I think it is really interesting that, um, those that hang on. We've talked to so many people who have gotten divorced and thought they'd just find somebody else that was perfect for them and go off in the sunset. And that is so rare. It does happen, but it's so rare.
1: So let us end this show with a challenge, a a direct challenge to you. Um, I think that and this, we've done this and we've recommended this to a lot of people and, and we get the feedback that it's really helped. And this is, this is a little interesting because what I'm going to challenge you to do is not something you do together. Take out a piece of paper and on one side of it, right at the top, Linda is, in other words, Don't whatever your Linda spouse's there. name yeah. is, Marjorie <laughs> is, and then try to list in a concise way, the things that this partner of yours is emotionally. What, what is she? What, what is it you love about her? What are the things that she is that you value and that you respect and that you love and then, and and don't show this to Linda or to Marjorie, just do it for yourself because it's not that you're hiding anything, but you're, you're making a, you're making a statement here that I'm going to work on some things unilaterally. I'm going to fix myself. So you start by writing those things you love about Marjorie. Marjorie is da, 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 da. Then turn the page over and write down Marjorie needs colon. What are the things she needs? What are the things that fulfill her, that make her fulfilled, that make her the woman that she really can be, that light her up, that make her smile, that that make her feel like she's her best self.
0: And this is hard because you, is hard. you can't write down the things you know, exactly. That you want for yourself. That's why you, you started, think you would want. Yeah.
1: That's why you started by saying Linda is, or Marjorie right, is Right, now, you've got her in mind. You're not thinking of your, you're not thinking of her faults and you're not thinking of your needs. You're thinking right. of who she is and you're thinking of, you know, what you can give back to her. I just had a note from our producer that we've still got another minute, so that's why I'm not trying to wrap right. up quite so fast. Linda's going, giving me the wrap-up sign. So, so that's my challenge, and, and you women do this too. Your husband, what he is, and then what does he need? Keep that to yourself and just work on it. Work I, think, on
0: it. I think that is probably the best thing you can do this week. In the perfection myth. We, um, we have really worked on this for a long time, as you can tell. <laughs> We've made some mistakes, and neither of us is perfect. But we really hope that you'll give this some thought.
1: And that's ours on the road for today. But I will just say in parting, we really want you to come back next week or get your podcast next week because the next myth is a powerful negative one or people think it's positive they say some things are better left unsaid and that is a myth and we're going to explode it next week on ours on the road
0: we'll see you then thanks for coming bye bye